0: Thanks for being here today. Uh, Before we pray, I'm going to ask you to pray with me in a moment, if you're the praying kind. I wanted to just talk a little bit about what we're doing in this this sermon series. One thing is, usually we strip scriptures of um, gendered words for God. We make everything God. But today, we figured since we're tackling the subject head on, let's uh, see what's in there. So we're going to talk about it. That's why God was called He. But also... um, One of the reasons that we're having this sermon series is that we are the body of Christ, right? The people who God made are the body of Christ. And it turns out that the body of Christ is intersex. And it turns out that the body of Christ is trans. And it turns out that the body of Christ is non-binary. And it turns out that the body of Christ is boys who want to cry. And it turns out that the of Christ is girls who want to wear pants and have short hair, (laughs) and the body of Christ is a thousand things that we have yet to see and yet to name, all of whom and all of which are beautiful and extraordinary. So, we got to talk about it. (laughs) We got to talk about all the people God made, and one of us only has one kind of lens, one slice on that experience of who God has made. The next two Sundays, we're going to be having panel sermons I hear from a couple of different folks in our community who have different experiences of gender and God, and they're going to be sharing that with you. Um, You're going to be getting a teaching from our very own Carter about non-binary affirmation in the Bible. Um, On February 17th, we're going to be having a panel sermon with drag performers from around the city where they're going to be sharing where God has been in their gender journey. Um, And today, I'm going to be, right, me, because... That's how we live as a community, is that we see our experience in one person, but here's mine. I wanted to tell you my gender story, which is that I'm a cis woman, right? I was born, a bunch of doctors and my parents told me that I was a girl, and it turned out that that worked pretty well for me, right? That was a fit. That feels good. Not everything about being a woman has felt good. Uh, there, have, there have been challenges along the way. <laughs> there have been things I did not appreciate. Um, Uh, but that has worked for me, and that has been my experience of gender, and God has met me there. I have found God in my womanhood, Um, and so I got one, I got one eye on this ball. I got one slice of this pie, and as we're learning about gender together, as we're learning about God together, I'm almost sure that I and others are going to mess up and say something that's harmful or hurtful or doesn't work for you. And so one of the things we want um, throughout this series is for us to be honest with each other and teach each other. And so I invite you to talk to me after this sermon about places where um, things didn't fit for you. If there was language or if there were images that made God smaller for you instead of making God bigger bigger, and God more a part of who you are. And so I want to invite you to do that. And I want to invite us all to do that for each other along this journey that we're all taking of being messed-up weirdo humans and amazing different humans who God has made to be just who we are. And let us pray. God of grace and mercy, God of power and might, God of so many people, of so many bodies, of so many life ways, God, we are grateful that you have made us. And God, we ask you to meet us in this moment, that you would help us to know that we are made in your image made with your light and your grace. And that that is what we can bring into the world and what we can find in every other creature who we ever encounter. God, in the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts and the movements of our souls and bodies today, let us be led by you. And if ever we aren't, help us to turn around, to figure out a new way, and to live into resurrection and second chances with Jesus as you have always invited us to. Amen. So, I've already given you a little bit of a hint, but we're doing this gender sermon series this month called Image. And something that we wanted to talk about right off is a question that many people have asked and I think many more are going to ask me, which is, why? Why do a sermon series on gender, right? Um not we do, like, Uh, an adult education forum on gender? Couldn't we do a class or read a book together? Isn't this just kind of content information? Why would we do it in worship? Why would we do it in church? Why would we talk about gender um, as a part of our Sunday morning and everyday experience of who God is in our lives? So I want to answer the question, um, which for me starts with looking at some of the scriptures God has written, which are our lives and what is happening to us and what we're doing. So here are a couple things that happened to me, that happened to our world, that happened to our city just in the last couple of weeks, a couple of things I've gone through. Um, One, a person I'm very close to is uh, expecting a child, and they uh, found out the sex of that baby, and they cried because they felt like they were equipped to raise the other sex, and now they're scared and worried about the baby that's coming into their life. That is a real thing that's happening to them, right? They're, they're worried, they're sad, they're in pain, they have fear. Um, God is with us in our feelings and how we approach the world. Here's another thing that happened this week. I logged on to look at the Chicago Tribune online because I like to keep up with the news. Two of the top stories were one was a little human interest story about um, a Super Bowl ad that's going to air this afternoon that was made by somebody in Chicago. And it's all a play on this phrase, run like a girl. So it's about different ways that like running like a girl is awesome or throwing like a girl is amazing, right? Gender in the headline. Another one of the headlines was a... um, a much more painful and tragic one, which was about the hate crime that Jesse Smollett experienced in our city this week. So Jesse Smollett, for those of you who don't know, is an actor, um, really talented from a family of actors. I grew up watching his sister on all kinds of stuff. Um, And he's black and he's gay. And he was beaten in our city, on our streets this week by people who were shouting racist and homophobic slurs. And you might think, well, that's homophobia. That's different but everything is connected (laughs) in ways that never release themselves from one another. And part of what homophobia is is saying um, you are failing at gender because of who you're attracted to, right? You're not a real man because of who you love. You're not a real woman because of who you love. And part of what homophobia is is a statement not just about our desire and about our attraction, but about our gender that there are things about gender that have to do with our relationships and we can do them right or wrong. Other things that have happened in the last couple of weeks, um, attempts that look like they're they're gonna come through of banning trans people from serving in the military. Trans people, right? So people who are assigned one gender at birth who are a different gender. Who, um, that's happening to real people. (laughs) That's happening to our bodies. That's happening to our lives. Um, All of these things just in the last week or two (laughs) Anything that is happening to the body of Christ, anything that is happening to God's creation is happening to God and is happening to the church. Gender is happening to us. (laughs) Whether we like it or not, whether we want to think about it or not, whether that has been a freeing or a restrictive experience for us, whether it's something we think about a lot or think about very little, gender is happening to us and it's happening to our communities and it's happening to our friends and most of the times when it's happening, it's hurting us. And so of course, have to talk about gender in church. Of course we have to talk about God's vision um, for creation and where gender fits into that. Because if we don't talk about it, then our minds and our hearts and our souls and our bodies will become subject to the one lie that the world is telling. Which is a lie that is an interlocking set of um, binaries, that hurt us, right? So here's, here's the lie. I'm just going to lay it out. All of you know this because you were raised in the world, right? So here's the lie. Lie number one, there are two kinds of bodies, two only, <laughs> two and only two. There are only two kinds of bodies and there are only two kinds of genitalia. There are only two kinds of chromosomes, right? There's only two kinds of bodies and we can sort everybody into one kind of body or another kind of body and that's called sex, Line number one. Lie number two, once we've sorted everybody into their two kinds of bodies, there are two kinds of being alive. Two kinds of personalities, two kinds of ways of getting dressed, two kinds of jobs you have to do, two kinds of things that you're capable of. And once you know which of the two kinds of bodies you have, you know which of the two kinds of life you're gonna have. Lie number three, there are only two kinds of desire to have. And both of them, are desiring the person who has the opposite kind of body than you. Three interlocking lies that cannot be separated from one another that are all about us trying to order and sort our life by saying, God, you made a big good creation. It can only be sorted into two. (laughs) And every piece of it, I I started out wanting... um, we started out wanting this sermon series to be about all of the, the, the kinds of creation there is, all of the kinds of genders there are, all of the kinds of gender experiences there are, and um, one of the things I have realized in doing it is that we think uh, the story that is told in the world about all these kinds of gender experiences is that they are somehow new or different or marginal, when in fact, they have existed as long as God has been making people. We're going to talk about the history in a minute, but also... Um, A big, broad spectrum of gender experience is much more intuitive, given the world and the people we meet, than this lie. It takes a lot more work to believe in the lie than it does to just believe that there's a thousand different ways to be a gendered person. Because let's take it apart one by one, right? Two kinds of bodies. Are there two kinds of bodies? No. Turns out, there's a lot of different kinds of genitalia you can have. And there's a lot of different kinds of reproductive organs you can have. And there's a thousand different kinds of bodies people have. Um, There are people who are intersex and there are people who just have uh, genitalia that looks different than other kinds. And and frankly, none of it is anybody's business but the person who has the body and wants their body to be their body, right? There just aren't two kinds of bodies. And some people try and take it back. Um, This happens in sports a lot, right? One of the places where gender showed up in my life this week is I've I've joined a swim team for grownups because I missed my high school swim team days. And I signed up to a race. And I signed up to do the race, uh, which is just like, I want to get in a pool, I want to swim some laps, I want somebody to time me. The only two questions they asked me were my name and whether I was male or female, right? And the box had no options besides those two. And I was like, how is that possibly relevant to timing me in a pool? Like, why is this a big question? Um, It's come up a lot as people are trying to figure out for sports, often professional sports, which kind of body do you have? Who are you allowed to race against? Who are you allowed to wrestle? Um, They'll say, okay, well fine. People have different kinds of bodies, but chromosomes must tell the truth the truth about which one of the two bodies you have. Uh, There aren't just two of those either, right? Um, Some of us are XX, some of us are XY, but some of us are XXY, and some of us are XYY. There is no way in which our bodies can be neatly organized into two types. There are eight billion bodies. There are certain kinds of generalizations we can make in the times when they are helpful to us, but most of the time they're not. Most of the time they're not helpful, they're not useful, there's not a point to them, and we're simply making them anyway. I think it's probably more apparent to you that the the two personalities thing (laughs) is incorrect, right? Most of us experience ourselves um, as not being this archetypical man or this archetypical woman that we've been told are the only kinds of life that we can have, the only kinds of ways that we can be. Um, And so we've been been breaking apart some of that, but but even then it's hard to see all the ways in which we've been lied to. All of the ways in which we experience limiting where God can bring growth. And we talk a lot at this church about the lie about desire and attraction, right? That if if we are a thousand different genders, um, if we can have multiple kinds of relationships and experiences of our gender identity, of course it can't be true that we can only be attracted um, uh, based on what our gender is in one way. So that's the vision of the world that I think doesn't make a lot of sense. And so if it doesn't make a lot of sense given our everyday experiences, why do we have it? (laughs) Where did it come from? When you ask some folks, they're going to point to one of the scripture passages that we just read today. They're going to point to Genesis 1 or they're going to point to Genesis 2 and they're going to say, because God said so. The reason we need to sort everybody into two things, um, and the dangerous thing about binaries, right, is once you set them up, they automatically lead to segregation, to inequality, because anytime you set up a binary, one of the things has to be better than the other thing. Um, and, and they lead to enforcement. Everybody becomes a police officer of the binary, right? I get to tell you which one. That, that's the dangerous thing about binaries, but people will say look, it says male and female. Look, Adam and Eve at the beginning. Figuring out which of the two we are. The two are a part of God's order. They are a part of God's vision. That's why we have to remain attached to them, even if they don't fit with our experience of who God made in the world. And so I want to unpack these scripture passages and, and, and what they're really saying and where they really are for us a little bit. One is that in no other way do we as a faith community make claims about Adam and Eve being the end of like human personalities and experience besides gender, right? So no one is like, Adam and Eve loved fruit. If you don't eat apples or pomegranates, you're not a person, right? No one is like, Adam and Eve lived in a rural place. If you live in a city, you are not a part of God's creation. We've only attached ourselves to this one part And Adam and Eve is a story. It's a story for us to understand what we find to be very challenging and and extraordinary and difficult about being human, which is that we have choices about how to be in the world. Right, that ultimately Adam and Eve is a story about you can do harm in the world or you can do less harm in the world having a choice about that is really burdensome and and really difficult and we don't know how to live with it. Um, It's a story about that, but it's not meant to be the be all and end all of our identity. And it's not meant to be a literal story about two people who lived at the beginning of the earth. Um, And my saying that shouldn't be scandalous because it's right next to Genesis one. If the Bible was scared about you knowing that, If the Bible was scared about us seeing that there might be more than one way to think about our createdness, the Bible wouldn't have, God would not have put two creation stories that are differing accounts right next to each other. God's not scared of us knowing that. God loves that we know that. God loves that we see a fullness of creation and a fullness of God's creative power. I also think when they eat from the tree of good and evil, um, It's this this lesson about the presence of good and evil in the world, but nowhere does it say that because good and evil exist, everything now exists in a one-to-one relationship with good and evil. Things are either good or evil. We experience our life to be filled with mixture. And so why wouldn't the same be true um, of their gendered experience, of their lived experience? I'll also point out that do you know who comes up with gender difference? It's not God, it's Adam. <laughs> um, when, when Eve is created, and I will say to you now, I have had a couple folks tell me that they were in their, raised in certain kinds of faith communities who didn't realize until they were in their 30s that different human bodies don't actually have different kinds of ribs based on our gendered experience. Just putting that out there. Um, it's Adam who says, when this helper is created, it's Adam who says, you are woman, I am man. Now that I see someone who is different from me, I must name and I must label. And naming and labeling can be useful, right? They can, categories can offer us community and ways to connect. Um, but I must name and must label us forever and to all time to only be these two things is not a part of the lesson, and it's not a thing that God does. It's a thing that God does. It's a thing that, a thing that people do. And this is a thing that we do, right? We look at the world and we try to categorize it because there's a lot of stuff happening in the world and it's hard to be alive. (laughs) It's hard to be alive. It's hard to navigate existence. And so we try and and ease it up by categorizing stuff. But God is inviting us to a much bigger vision about who God is. When we go back to Genesis 1, right, um, we see my favorite line in the Bible which is God created them in God's own image. God, the plural, created humanity, the plural, in God's image to be many different things, all of which, all of whom reflect some extraordinary and magnificent and beautiful part of who God is. God as a he is in other parts of that scripture because, you know, that's what happens. We wrote it. We do that. But in that, sentence, it says, they, God they, God multiple, God big, God everything, created lots of people and called all of us good, (laughs) created multiplicity, created diversity, and called them a part of God's image. It is our human instinct to try and categorize, to try and enforce because the world is scary and we think that that's what giving order to chaos looks like. We experience chaos in our life and we want to order it But the way that God orders is not with that kind of rigidity. The rhythm of the creation story is one of naming doubles, right? God makes day and night, and God makes fish and fowl, and God makes male and female. But nowhere does it indicate that those are supposed to be opposed or that those are supposed to be the limit of describing what God is making. (laughs) That when God makes day and night, both day and night are good, And the dusk is still a part of it, right? Like, sunset isn't wrong, because God made day and night in the beginning. God makes a lot of things, and all of them are good, and they are examples of big, big categories of creation that God is making with love, not limits on the only two kinds of things that God will ever make. I have been more and more led in my faith over time by a part of the Gospel of Matthew that some of you may have heard, which is Jesus talking to the disciples and saying to the disciples, "Um, whatever you bind will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose will be loosed in heaven. And a lot of people have interpreted that to mean that Jesus is telling the disciples to figure out what is sinful and what is not, and then to tell everybody about it, right? Like, make sure everybody knows. The longer I live and the more people who God made that I see and the more intimate with God I become, the more I think that that's actually a command from God to loosen up. (laughs) That is a command from God to loosen as many parts of the human experience as we can. To say that who God is is who Jesus said the bringer of the kingdom was, a liberator of the oppressed, a freer of those in prison and that as many things as we can loosen for people is good, And that is good for understanding who God is and the fullness of creation. So we've got to loosen up. <laughs> we've got to loosen up to see the fullness of the kinds of bodies God has given us. Loosen up to see the fullness of the kinds of gender experiences God has given us. And make a world in which all of those can be affirmed and honored as a part of God's image that God has put into the world. Because some of us have questions about whether this is a new thing, a new conversation or not, I did want to end with a little bit of history. I want to show you some pictures. Um, Because it's Black History Month, I wanted to show you some history of different kinds of gender identities and bodies and expressions and I've chosen all black folks from history and so I want to bring, this is from a a religious icon series by the artist Rhea Bridell. We're gonna put it up on our Facebook page in our e-news. I would commend it to everybody. Um, It's uh, religious icons of butch heroes. So people who were assigned female at birth and ended up living outside of that or intention to that in some way. And they're all incredible stories. I just could like read them forever. Um, and so this is Elena and Eleno de Sospedas, who lived in 1545. So if anybody ever tells you, right, <laughs> multiple gender, gender difference, non-binary is new, a new thing, no. Elena, Eleno is a, is a uh, talking about that. So Elena, Eleno, I, I say both names, because um, she lived as both genders throughout her life. Uh, She described herself as having both genders inside of himself, right? Um, And he sometimes lived as a man, and she sometimes lived as a woman. And what's interesting about his life is that um, two times he was put on trial for uh, his gendered living, for his gendered life. And at one time, he was living as a man and was married to a woman and was put on trial to determine what his gender was. And priests came and doctors came and all kinds of folks came in a kind of scrutiny that is unbearable and inappropriate, right, but that existed. And that group of people determined that he was a man and could continue to live with his wife. There was an openness in his community to seeing a different way (laughs) of being gendered um, in the 1500s. That's not new, right, that a community can affirm and accept that. And later in his life, he lived the experience um, that many have experienced today, which is went through another trial, was determined to be a woman, and then was punished for living outside of that. These are the martyrs of our faith, right? But the fact that they lived shows us that this is the story of God from day one, the story of God for always, Um, that gender is more (laughs) than the world has told us and and God wants it to be that way. I wanna show you a couple more people. Oh, this is Jarena Lee, one of my faves. Um, she was one of the first uh, Methodist women to preach in the 1700s across the country but what I love about her story is that um, Richard Allen was a black pastor in Philadelphia who was a part of a segregated church where they would not let black people preach and he left it and started a new church the African Methodist Episcopal Church and uh, on the foundation of liberation right, of loosening things up, of making things more free of blackness is a part of the gift that God has given to the world and I will preach from my blackness and I will not let any one stop me and when Joanna Lee a member of his congregation came to him and said God has called me to preach I've had a spiritual experience God has called me to lead he said oh no 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 not women right um, most of us can feel like we have it figured out in one area and we still have that inside of us that we're messed up in another right that should be surprising to none of us But after eight years, Richard Allen was moved and changed by her persistence. It was said that one day, he was giving a lackluster sermon, and the people were falling asleep, and Jarena just got up and started preaching (laughs) next to him. And the people were like, oh, she can preach! And then he was forced to license her, (laughs) right? So, living outside of the expectations of her gender... Sojourner Truth, I read Sojourner Truth's anti Woman speech every single year, at least once, sometimes multiple times because it's so extraordinary and beautiful. Um, there are different versions of it because different people have written it in different dialects and there's a, a lot about that that we can talk about but Sojourner Truth was at a conference where basically the suffrage and liberation of white women was being discussed and white men were saying, can't let them do stuff are naturally light and airy and need to be helped out of their carriages, right? They are naturally have a maternal instinct and need to be with their babies and their children because of who women are and who women are made to be. This should be their life and they will be happier. And Jerrana Lee, who was born into slavery and escaped with her infant daughter, who was the first person in the United States to successfully sue to gain her son out of slavery, who liberated her son through the court system and through her own gaining of her freedom, got up and basically said, oh, you care about women's maternal instincts now? Mine and and the maternal instincts of other black women have never been cared about in this country. Oh, you think that that women are airy and light and need help? You have made me do your labor. and and named this this intersection, right, of our gendered experience with other parts of our lives that says to us that if we're gonna loosen up our gender expectation, we better be paying attention to a lot of other stuff, including race, too. One more. This is Ralph Kerwinio, and I want to talk about Ralph because he lived here in Chicago in the late 1800s, 1880s and 1890s, and Ralph was assigned female at birth, um, lived as a man. For his, life, for his whole life, got married, moved to Milwaukee, um, and as happens sometimes in marriages, separated from his wife after many decades, fell in love with someone else, and his first wife um, then contacted the police and told them that he was living uh, outside of his gender. And he was never um, jailed, but he was told that he would be let go, no charges would be pressed, as long as he started wearing a dress. And and I think this is a lesson to me that like this, we have been full of all kinds of gender experiences for as long as God has been making people, but it also makes vivid how cruel (laughs) and how random these gender jails we are putting one another in are. But that was his his last experience that was uh, chronicled in the newspaper, and presumably he lived as a man for the rest of his life in in Milwaukee and then in Chicago, right? Moved back to escape. And so these are the lives we've been living for as long as God has been making us. There's nothing new about it. Um, There's nothing scary about it. It is a gift to see God's image in all of the people who God has made. We will be liberated and we will be loosened when we see what God is doing and name it as good and extraordinary and wonderful. We have to because if there's one thing that closes you off to who God is and who you might be, it's refusing to see who God has made in the people who surround you and in your community. Every time you look at someone and call them less or make them less because you refuse to see who God has made them to be, you do the same thing to yourself because when you make God small, you make yourself small And you tell a lie about who God has made and who God wants us to be and where God is calling us. We will all (laughs) be free when we know God to be the great source of divine and when we know God to have made us all with intention and we know that every single person we meet is a reflection of the great image of God which we are trying to learn and see and which knowing will change in us forever. So let's go out to be people who know that and live like that. Amen?